Next, this month's special series focus on neurology and psychiatry. Throughout this month, ReachMD welcomes an array of experts to explore developments in neuroscience and mental health. Though many therapies exist for the treatment of chronic headaches, some chronic cases do not respond to prescribed therapies. In a portion of these cases, opioid medications are offered to help patients find relief. But prescription of opioids can present additional problems, including increasingly recurrent headaches. This leads us to the question, which of our patients should receive opioid therapy for their headaches? Welcome to a special segment, Focus on Neurology. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, Professor of Surgery and Practicing General Surgeon. Our guest is Dr. Joel Saper, Director of the Michigan Head Pain and Neurological Institute in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Welcome, Dr. Saper. Thank you, Dr. Hill. How are you? Good, thank you. Dr. Saper, what exactly is going on in terms of the trends of overprescribing narcotics for headaches? Well, I think that as we have all become more sensitive and recognize the importance of aggressive treatment of pain, we have begun to use more opioids in the treatment of non-malignant pain than we ever have in the past. And with that a more enlightened attitude about the aggressive treatment of pain has come the over-prescribing and the misprescribing of patients with headache, and that has created a major public health problem. What kind of problem is that, sir? Well, the evidence that we have scientifically is that the opioids can actually change brain physiology and prompt the expression of various inflammatory neuropeptides and other agents in the brain, which we now know actually promotes the progression of the primary pathophysiology of headaches itself, particularly migraine. Meaning that the treatment itself begets further headaches? That's exactly right. Many of your listeners will realize and will know that for years, I and many of my colleagues have been talking about what we call rebound, which is the more one takes of over-the-counter painkillers or uh, ergotamine drugs or now the triptans, if one takes them more than two or three times a week, week after week, month after month, we've known for decades now that we can make the headaches worse. But what we now know, in addition to that, is that the opioids, unlike some of the other medications, actually promote the progression of the headache disorder in a very fundamental and neurologically, neurophysiological way. So it's a very serious problem. Is this in all patients or just a small percentage of patients? Well, it appears to be in most headache patients. There's evidence that comes out of research labs at Harvard and many other places that even in general pain disorders, that the chronic use of opioids in many patients, perhaps not all, will promote what's called opioid-induced hyperalgesia, which is actually the sensitization of the brain so that the more opiates that are taken, the more pain will be perceived. So should we not use opioids at all on patients with headaches? Well, I think it's a matter of choice of patients and choice of circumstances. I think that an occasional patient, let's say an older patient who can't take some of the other remedies, who has occasional headache or even more frequent headache, but is limited in what else they can take, I think that's an area where we have to be more open to the use of opioids simply to relieve pain, particularly in the older person. But if you take the headache population as a whole, most of these people are young adolescents and middle-aged people. And our center in Ann Arbor it receives 
countless patients every year, almost every one of our patients nowadays, is referred because of daily severe headache and high-dose opioids. Just this very morning, when I made rounds this morning, I met a young man in his 20s who was taking 600 milligrams of OxyContin per day. Wow. And that's a huge dose and had been on it. A 14-year-old in our hospital right now has been taking what is equivalent to 200 milligrams of morphine per day. And, and these are young people. So it is a very serious problem. But if you have a patient that comes to your office and has severe headaches and you tell them to take Tylenol, they'll laugh at you. Well, that's right. But we have many more drugs than Tylenol. First of all, if patients have intermittent headaches, they have once in a great while headache, and nothing else works for them, not the triptans, not the ergots, not the many other drugs we have available to us by injection or suppository or inhalant form. If none of those drugs work and it's an occasional headache, then a limited amount of opioids in just that circumstance is probably acceptable. But what is happening is that that occasional drug becomes more readily accessible to the patient. They use it more and more, and pretty soon there's a progression of headache. And what we have to do to make that person better, who now has become dependent on the opioids and is in this medication headache cycle, in order to help them, one has to take them off to detoxify them from those drugs in order to get their brain receptors back to baseline to respond to the standard drug. Now, when you define overuse, what exactly do you mean? Well, it depends on the drugs we're talking about. For many of the drugs, you know, we have preventive drugs. Let me clarify this. When a person has frequent headaches, there are many drugs that we use to prevent. For many years, we've used beta blockers, tricyclics. Now we have drugs like topiramate and many of the other anticonvulsant medicines, valproic acid, and, and the list is long. So we have preventive drugs, and then when a headache breaks through, we have an abortive drug. There's no problem with the preventive drugs. They're designed for daily use. They don't make the process worse. But if a person is aborting a headache, treating the acute attack more than two or three times a week with one of the abortive medicines, then that's the door that opens. And week after week, month after month, three or more dosages of those drugs per week, three or more days of use per week, can begin that process of changing the headache domain and causing the progression. If you have just joined us, you are listening to ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and our guest is Dr. Joel Saper, director of the Michigan Head Pain and Neurological Institute in Ann Arbor, Michigan. We're discussing potential limits on the role of narcotic painkillers for patients with headaches. Dr. Saper, outline for us, how do you determine which patients get opioid therapy at all for headaches? Well, we first have to try to use standard therapy. And you mean standard therapy as what? Standard therapy, the routine preventive drugs, the ones that I've just mentioned, the abortive drugs such as the triptans, uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, even drugs like chlorpromazine, rectal form, certainly even over-the-counter painkillers occasionally. Those are drugs that can be used, dihydroergotamine, and in the nasal form of dihydroergotamine. All of these drugs that I've mentioned are standard drugs, and when used as appropriate, 
with limits on usage are what we have to do. There's also other causes of headache that have to be considered. I mean, there's other medical conditions that can cause headache. Certainly cervical issues can cause headache. Dental problems and jaw problems can cause headache. And a myriad of over 300 conditions can actually promote or aggravate headache. And so we try very hard, and in most cases, almost all cases, we can bring about significant pain relief with standard medical therapy. If we are in a position where we have to consider opioids, we believe that should be a very rare case in anybody's practice. We believe that patient should have been exhausted in their efforts at using more standard treatment, even a referral or a hospitalization to try to bring about relief. We don't think that opiates ought to be administered. I don't personally believe they should be administered at a primary care level because no matter how aggressive that primary care doctor might be, he or she doesn't have the tools available to them at a primary level to deal with the psychological issues that sometimes create barriers to getting better and many of the more sophisticated advanced techniques like certain types of nerve blocks, stimulators, and many other things that we can use for headache. So if the person is at the end of the road and they've tried all those things, then the rare patient that might need to be put on maintenance opioids day in and day out, we select those patients based upon their psychological profile, their willingness to restrain the use, the fact that there's no barrier to their improving because improving their function is an important goal. And so we do restrict it, but we do open the door for certain patients. What about the side effects of the non-opioid medications for patients with headaches? Well, every drug has side effects. Most of the patients that take these drugs will have some side effects. It might be a dry mouth. It might be a little weight gain. It might be a bit of tiredness. In some cases, like with topiramate, sometimes people report weight loss. And so there are many side effects to all drugs. And it is tough because we have very few therapies that don't impose some consequence. But the majority of people who have otherwise primary and benign headache disorders can find a fair balance between good, effective control and modest amounts of adverse effects. How do your patients who have been on opioids respond to this change in approach? Well, they're scared because once they've become dependent on opioids, of course, many other things change with that too. Uh, There often is mental and cognitive effects, but there's also a euphoria and a tranquilization and some element of pain control, although it's very interesting. Many of the patients that are referred to us on very high-dose opioids are taking these drugs every day, and they're more painful than they were when they started, but they're still very fearful of coming off. But what we put them through is a slow taper of medicine, generally a reasonably slow taper, and we put them on intravenous therapies to control the pain during the period of drug tapering. And then as we complete and cross that bridge of withdrawing them from those drugs, then we start them on programs of more standard treatment, which more frequently than not, over two-thirds of the time, will effectively control their pain. Have you received any feedback from the primary care physicians who might be giving opioids for headaches? Well, I've talked to many primary care physicians. In fact, most of our referrals come from primary care physicians who find themselves, you know, behind the eight ball. They don't have an enormous amount of time to work with these folks. The patients are painful. The doctor is compassionate. One of my colleagues from Washington, D.C. said it takes five minutes to say yes and 35 minutes to say no. (laughs) And I think there's some wisdom in that. We all feel under the gun to try to treat pain on one hand but not have the time or the resources to do it. So the feedback I get from family practice colleagues and primary care colleagues is they're happy when they have a referral 
target. They can send a patient to us, and then we send that patient back after we've done what we can do. We work with them. In fact, I almost every day I talk to my primary care colleagues who call, and we help manage the case by phone to the extent we can. Where does age factor in in your determination of what medications to use? Well, certainly age factors in like it does in the rest of medicine. We have many adolescents that come to us, and of course, we don't want to use certain medicines in young women, and certainly in young people where their brains are in a much more formative stage, brain development, certainly in older folks where there's contraindications to certain drugs, drugs that may affect blood vessels, drugs that may affect liver or kidney. And so you really have to take that entire patient's health history and try to develop a treatment regimen consistent with where they are and other health problems. We had a gentleman just last week that came to us from a very far distance away who had a pituitary tumor, kidney cancer, coronary artery disease, and insulin-dependent diabetes all in one person, and trying to find the appropriate treatment. And and surprisingly, you know what worked for that gentleman? We found a cervicogenic, in other words, a trigger in his neck, deep in the upper facets, uh, cervical facet joints. And when we blocked that gentleman with a cervical facet block, about 80% of his pain went away. So it is possible. You just got to work hard. What have you found in terms of success of your patients getting them off opioids and control of their headaches? Well, first let me say that chronic pain is a chronic illness. It's not a curable illness. So just like diabetes and hypertension and and many of the other illnesses that we all treat, we look for a sense of control and control for a while and a constant attempt to modify and strategically manage the treatment program, as we do in all the chronic illnesses. We looked at 276 consecutive patients in our uh, inpatient program, which is where we put our more difficult patients, and three-quarters of those patients reported a moderate to dramatic reduction in headache by the time they left the hospital. And a good 50% of those patients, Mark, had come to us on opioids. Are we advising our patients well enough on the risks of the overuse of narcotics, do you think? No, I don't think so, because I think it's out there in the public domain. There is very much pro-narcotic promotion. It arises from the drug companies and their influence through medical societies and influence on doctors. And I attended a major meeting of the FDA and the DEA on how they are going to clamp down on the prescribing of opioids for non-malignant pain. The number of deaths in this country in young people is overwhelming. And many of these people are dying from availability of prescription opioids given for broken ankle or a strained back for reasons that years ago we would never consider giving opioids to a young person. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Joel Saper. We've been discussing narcotic painkillers prescribed for patients with headaches. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill. Reach MD online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at reachmd.com. And thank you for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Neurology and Psychiatry. For downloadable podcasts of all the programs in this series, go to ReachMD.com and choose the series Focus on Neurology and Psychiatry.